You are about to listen to the word by Pastor Olabisi, brought to you by Freedom House International Ministries. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the living Jesus. I thank the Lord that he has made this day possible and I give him the glory that you have tuned in today. Pray that today's program will bless you richly and that he will enable you to draw closer to God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and Amen. My message is simply tied to the believer-unbeliever syndrome. I want you to quickly go to Mark chapter 9 from verse 17. And I'm going to quickly read. And it says... And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which had a dumb spirit. And whatsoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pinned away, and spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straight away the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed for me. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came upon him? And he said, Of child. And of times it had cast him into fire and into waters to destroy, destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. And straight away the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dump and devil spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, believe is another word for faith. And I've got news for you. Everyone that is walking the face of the earth believes in something. Even the unbeliever is a believer of something. They are called the unbeliever because they don't believe in the truth. But they believe in something. Those who don't believe that God exists, that's their belief. Those who believe in evolution, that's their belief. So everyone has a belief. And the other word for belief is conviction. A conviction is something that you believe to be the truth. So a belief convicts you. It convicts your soul. And it's going to take another conviction to release you from a conviction. A conviction is either a bondage or freedom. If your conviction is of lie, then that's bondage. If it's true, then that's freedom. So your conviction either liberates you or it binds you. So when you're talking of belief, you as a Christian must know what you believe in. You see, we're living in a world where we're saying that how many percentage are Christians? That means in the 
literary sense, they are meant to be what? Believers. Because to be a Christian is to be a believer. And a believer is someone who doesn't just believe in God. Because James did say, he says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. But the devils also believe and they what? They tremble. James chapter 2 verse 19 says that. So your belief is not just that there is a God. There are people who believe there is a God. There are people who believe that this God is the creator of the heaven and earth. There are people who believe that this God has power to give them what they want. There are people who believe that this God requires them to do what is good. And good means helping people. There are people who believe that there is only one God. There are people who believe that this one God is the God of heaven and on the earth. But that is not the end. Your belief as a Christian is a belief that has a relationship concept. Because every belief that lacks a relationship concept is actually an unbelief. Because God created you for a relationship. He didn't create you so that you can just come to him for what you want. He's your father. He's your friend. He's your savior. He's your redeemer. He's your creator. He's your teacher. Everything I know, I got it from the Holy Spirit of God. You know, before I came to knowing what this is all about, I only saw God as a provider. So I only go to God when I needed what I consider to be my provisions. God, I want a job. God, I want this. God, I... But through salvation, I've come to see God as my father. Somebody that I talk to. Somebody that counsels me. Somebody that enables me. Somebody that helps me. And believe you me, God is very present and real when you begin to have a relationship with God. You know, I used to wonder when people say, and I was having a conversation with God the other day. And, and I'm thinking, how did you have that conversation for Christ's sake? I mean, if you tell someone today that God has spoken to you, they are looking at you and thinking, hello, some screws are beginning to lose somewhere. Because how can God talk to you? But the fact is, God is word. Amen. And the Bible says, faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if God is not speaking to you, and you are not hearing God, then the devil is speaking to you. So your belief has to be the real belief. Now today the problem we have are the problem of believers who are actually unbelievers. That's why even though we have this high percentage of so-called Christians, there's no light. Because to be a Christian is to be a light. If indeed everyone who is called a Christian on earth today are true believers, the devil will have no room to breathe. Because heaven will be visible on the face of the earth. There were only few men and women when Jesus ascended to heaven. And light spread. Today, even in this nation, we're talking about 80% are called Christians. Yet, what is happening and going on? makes you to question what sort of Christianity are we talking about? The belief today, this man, let's look at his belief. He believed Jesus is able to heal his son. That's why he came to him. That belief is simple. He must have heard about the miracle, about what Jesus has done. 
So there's no problem in him believing that. And when he came to Jesus, he didn't come to Jesus because he wants to have a relationship with God. He came to Jesus because he wanted healing for his son. And once he gets that healing, what's going to happen? He's on his way. So the belief of many today is simply that. What Jesus can do. What God can do. And because of that belief, they are Lord to prophets and prophetesses. And men and women of God and so on and so forth. And they are prepared to chase them to Timbuktu. This conference is happening, they are there. That conference is happening, they are there. They are going there to receive their anointing and their salvation. But the actual belief is not there. When you are talking of a believer, unbeliever, you have to know what the characteristics are. True belief comes from revelation. Not just from the information. The Bible is a book of information which you can read from Genesis to Revelation and not get a revelation. The Bible, however, is a book of revelation which you can just read one chapter or one verse and get the whole revelation. That's exactly what happened to me. Looking for the book of Genesis to Revelation to get my own thing that I wanted. But God proved something. That it's not by you reading the whole Bible. It is by me giving you the revelation. So by the time I got to Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, I ended up with a revelation which I couldn't have gotten if I had read the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So it's not about the information, it's about the revelation. A belief that lacks revelation is a common belief. Disguised as a true belief, but is actually an unbelief. And let me tell you, in the so-called Christian world today, if God is to do a survey of true believers, maybe out of one million, you will be able to find ten. What are the characteristics of a believer-unbeliever? Number one, the belief is motivated by sight and not by revelation. And as such, it's all carnally. You believe in what God can do. You believe in how God can solve your world problems. You believe in healing and all of those things. But you're not looking at the healing for your soul and your spirit. If you are healing the spirit, believe you me, it doesn't matter how infirmed you look in the flesh. You are healed. But if you are sick in the spirit, you may be lifting weight and have biceps or concepts or whatever it's called. Your muscles may be shaking like that. When you come in, people may be looking at your six packs and ten packs and thinking, wow, isn't this a body? But let me tell you in the spirit, you are talking ugliness. There's no beauty, there's no six packs, there's nothing whatsoever. Because why? That spirit is dead. If you are rich in the spirit, even though you may look poor, you are rich. So the belief in the true sense has to be motivated by revelation. But the false belief that is making you appear as a believer is one motivated by flesh. Therefore, it's carnally. Romans 8, 6 says, To be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
Number two, a believer, unbeliever, as I said, is someone that believes in God. This God created the heaven and the earth, but he does not believe in relationship with this God. That's a belief that lacks understanding of principles of life. Because life is all about relationship. You were all born into a relationship. You didn't choose your dad. You didn't choose your mom. If some people can choose their dad and mom, they wouldn't be born in the household that they were born in. But you were born there anyway, like it or hate it. And you started that relationship. Somebody, you became somebody's daughter, somebody's son, somebody's sister, somebody's brother, without a choice. And it's as simple as that. And it's the same thing is the case in the spiritual. The spirit realm is a realm of relationship. Everyone in the earth is in a relationship. You are either in a relationship with God or you are in a relationship with the devil. So believing that there is a God is not enough. You have to have a belief that has relationship as his concept. A believer, unbeliever, number three, another characteristic is that your focus would be on your world problem. Your prayer is all going to be motivated by the solution you are looking for, which is all worldly. God, give me this. God, give me that. You see, when you move from the unbeliever to believer stage, your prayer life will change. It's not just going to be God, give me this and God, give me that. It's going to be a prayer for regeneration, a prayer for reformation, a prayer of surrender and submission, a prayer of closeness, a prayer of relationship. Your prayer is going to be a praise and a worship in acknowledgement of God's goodness to your life. Meanwhile, before you make that shift, by the time you pray for three minutes, you need somebody to pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. Somebody just pray for me. Everyone, ah, brother, this, just pray. You, the minute somebody opened their mouth, you're thinking, eh, that person can pray. Ah, pray for me. Why? Because there's no word of prayer. But when you move to the believer stage, there will always be a word of prayer. Your soul will never be void of prayer. Even when you are going through hell physically, you will say the right word. And you will say all the right word in supplication and in submission to the goodness of the Lord. Next point. The characteristics of a believer unbeliever. Passionately committed to observing religious rituals. Sunday, you are going to church. Fasting, praying, doing all of those things, you are there. But with all the wrong mind. When you look at what Jesus said, when the disciple asked him, they said, well, how come we couldn't do this? Jesus said, this only come by fasting and prayer. And a lot of people, they take that verse. By what? Fasting and prayer. And they start fasting and praying. They've done green fast. They've done white fast. They've done yellow fast. They've done dry fast. They've done wet fast. And now it's looking as if that fast in itself is bringing more dryness. Because it's not just about that. It's the reason and the purpose behind your fast. You could be fasting, but with the wrong mind. And for the wrong reasons. Next point. A believer-unbeliever characteristic is a belief that lacks knowledge and principles. They ask you, uh, what, is, what is your, you are a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. I was born into a Christian. In fact, 
My father was one of the people that set up the early whatever church. And I was a choir there. I used to robe. And, and when we robe, I would begin to glorify God. And that is your Christianity. And because you have no knowledge of principle, you will become offensive and defensive. So you will actually be an antichrist. Because other people will now see you as the real deal. And I mean, I, I remember someone saying to me once, I was saying something to this person. And the person said to me, I said, I know this Christian, they don't mind. Because as far as this person is concerned, this Christian that she knows, they are true Christians. So how come whatever I'm saying is opposite to what they are saying? This person is telling me that this Christian doesn't mind going to this or doing that. So are they not the same Christian as me? And you will see that that unbeliever will actually be attacking their belief. So they are actually portraying the spirit of Antichrist and promoting the fact that they are a believer in Christ. So they are doing the job for the devil. The devil doesn't have to do anything anymore. They would be the advocate. Now the problem now is people will now see them in the world and say, are these not Christians? Next point. A believer, unbeliever, is someone that is self-centered and self-oriented. It's all about you. A true believer must have a purpose. You are saved and redeemed for a purpose. You are not redeemed just so that you can just be a believer. You are redeemed to be a light, a shining light to others. You are blessed to be a blessing. A true believer is someone that is a blessing to others. Not someone who just wants to be completely all about themselves. If that's the way you are, then you are, a, you are a believer on believer. Now, as I said, the dangers of being a believer on believer is that you are used as an example. So the true believers are not seen. Your characters. You know, a believer that is still going to nightclubs, half naked. So when people are now using examples, they'll say, ah, I saw that Christian sister the other day at whatever club. In fact, all her breast was out. And now they will say, you born again people. Don't come and broadcast your born again or born in whatever here. Because you are all hypocrites. We know where you are. But those that they see are not believers. But those that are not believers are being used to judge the real believers. A believer that is getting drunk. Because if you are a true believer, things you used to do, you will do what? Do them no more. To be a true believer is to have conscience. And to be submissive and surrender to the reformation and regeneration process of God. In fact, as a believer, unbeliever, is when you are drunk that you will now start to speak in tongues. As soon as you finish one bottle of brandy, you are now going rababa, and everybody is thinking, ah, even brandy is talking. A believer, unbeliever that has strings of boyfriends, and then come to church on Sunday. You are worthy, oh Lord, hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> you are worthy. By the time they put the drum, that person, ah, yes, praise, and all that. Who are you deceiving? Because if you are a true believer, you will know that your body is the temple of what? The Holy Ghost. And it's not to be polluted. Some people, they look at 
sisters and say, how can you stay off this thing? I'm talking to the sisters out there who are able to stay off it. And they don't struggle. Why? Because they have conquered the flesh. And God enables them to stay off it. If you know what I mean, somebody out there. They are able to put themselves as that holy temple. Because they're no longer motivated by the flesh. Jesus called us as sinners to reform us. So if you are called by Jesus and you are not following the line of reformation and regeneration, you are remaining in darkness to be oppressed. A believer, before you come to church, you have smoked how many ganja? I mean, I remember in my believer, unbeliever days, before I go to church, I have already had cigarettes in abundance. So whilst the pastor is preaching, all I can see now is cigarettes. Because if the pastor is staying too long, I am craving. And I cannot follow the preaching anymore. Because I'm thinking, I need to have a light. And in that church, there's this custom of you having to hug somebody next to you. <laughs> and me, no amount of perfume, because you are a heavy smoker, the cigarette is stinking. So you now stretch your hand. Ah, praise God, we love you in Jesus' name. Now, the church is actually a place for sinners. That's where I'm meant to be. But I'm meant to go there to be saved, not to continue to sin. But what people want to do is to say they are a Christian and still be the way they were before. That cannot work. Your character. Everything about you has to change. That's what makes you a believer. The Bible says you are no longer of the world. You have been redeemed. You've been bought by precious blood. You are a royal diadem, a peculiar spirit, a chosen generation. You are no longer reasoning in the mindset of the world. You are a light to those that are in the dark. And what's the cure? To be an unbeliever, or a believer-unbeliever, is actually a disease. And we need to have the cure. You see, a lot of the time we're trying to preach to people that we believe are non-Christians. But do you know the people we really need to preach to are the people who are called Christians? Because if revival is going to begin, he must begin in the house of God. If we cannot preach the gospel to people who are called Christians, who are not Christians, forget about us reaching out to anybody else. That's why God is doing it himself. You see people born in a household where Christ has never been mentioned, yet they get converted. But you see people who believe that they are the sons of bishops. That they were the founding members of a church in Makoko. However, they are unbelievers. The cure is simple. We need to begin with a soul search. Jesus did not come to condemn the sinners. He came to save the sinner. He came to renew. To rebirth. He came to redeem. He came to take us from darkness. And established us in light. He came as the word of God to free us from the bondage of sin. Give us the grace of liberty. Jesus is the redeemer of sinners. And you have to have revelation conviction of that fact. 
He's the redeemer because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But in Romans 3, 24, the Bible says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in who? Christ Jesus. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Salvation is not just for the sin that you think you are committing now. It's for past sin leading all the way to the first Adam. And if you are in Christ, you are completely salvaged from every covenant of the flesh. Because the Bible says Jesus Christ today, yesterday, and forever. He's the only one that has traveled time. Don't matter how long you'll be dead. Don't matter how long you've been blind. He is the only one with the power of resurrection. And he's the only one that came in time and overcame every power and principality and ascended to heaven and came as the spirit of the living God to dwell in your heart and soul to regenerate you so that you can abide and rest with the living God forever. He is the redeemer. He came to remit your sins. In the church, we should be open about our sins. You see, when I, I was a smoker, I should be able to tell my pastor, the pastor, by the way, I've got a problem of smoking. So that the pastor would be able to help me. But what do you have? Hypocrisy. Holier than thou. Everybody is looking holy. Everyone is looking perfect. Only for you to go out and do what it is that you are doing. Because in the church arena, we are so confined by hypocrisy. There are people who cannot be open with their problems. Because of what people will say. Jesus came to fulfill the law of righteousness. Ezekiel 18.4 says, the soul that sinneth must die. And Hebrews 9 says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remissions. He came to shed his blood. To give us what? Remissions. This is the principle that you must have through revelation. Before I became a true believer, all these things that I'm talking to you right now, I had no clue. Remissions, what's that? I don't even think I've had the word remission before. Regeneration, reconciliation, reformation, redeem and redact. It's only after God saved me that I got the revelation. For me, the only word I had is God is able to give me what I want. And that was the preaching I was able to hear. Ah, somebody's going to be a millionaire. Somebody's going to be this. Somebody's going to be that. I think the one time I answered the altar call, it was to do with the preaching, to do with me having what I want. It wasn't for me to repent. Jesus is the deliverer. He came to deliver us from satanic bondage through a spiritual bath. John 3.3 3, Except a man is born again, he shall not see the kingdom. That is a principle laid down by God. Today you have born again churches and known born again churches. You hear people say, are you a born again Christian? The truth of the matter is if you are not born again, you are not a Christian. So there is no born again church and un unknown born again church. You are either born again or you are not born again. And in the church arena, there are so many principles and beliefs. But Jesus clarified it. He said, except a man is born again, he shall not enter 
I remember the first time I went on television, and I would, get, I, I would never forget. And the person who was doing the program asked me, you know, about one of the revelations God gave me. And I said, except a man is born again. And I remember a sister of mine said, ah, that is a simple Christian principle. But the follow-up or feedback later made me to realize that it's not that a simple Christian principle. Because there are a lot of people who are called believers who don't know what that means. Jesus came to account God's righteousness unto us as his very own righteousness. Came to give us the authority and dominion in God's word, as God's word. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and God is that word. He came to reconcile us back to God. And reconciliation means that we have the power to inherit. And he came to enable us past the test of goodwill. Because remember, that was the test the first Adam failed. He chose evil between good and evil. To be a believer is to have the power of obedience. In the fall of sin, man lost the power of goodwill. Jesus is the will of God revealed to us. Because if Christ be in you, you have power of obedience. Because God says he himself will make a new covenant. And this covenant is about him writing his law in our hearts. Not on a stone that you have to recite and chant. But the law is in you. And you abide in the fulfillment of that law. And by abiding in the fulfillment of that law, you rest and abide in God's government. When you look at the universe, the universe is ruled by God. He is the governing power and authority. Darkness is an opposing power to light. But where there is a conflict between light and darkness, light must work prevail. In the system of this country, you have the government and the opposition. Who is in power? The government. The government rules with power and authority. And I'm talking the system of law in terms of God's system. That's what Christ came for. That's why Isaiah 9 from verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be where? Upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with the judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. A lot of people today are quoting that verse. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a child is given. But for what purpose? So that you are able to worship God in spirit and in truth. Because if you are dead, you are no worship. Your worship is an abomination 
God only accepts a living sacrifice. And Christ came to give us the power of worship. To save us from adulteration. To give us revelation of his majestic glory. So let's rise up today and celebrate holiness, righteousness, goodness, grace. Let's appreciate remissions. Let's appreciate redemption. Let's sing unto the Lord from our souls who healed all of our infirmities. Because that man's son, in the natural world, your son may have been saved, but is your soul saved? Having your miracle doesn't mean salvation for your soul. In fact, we live in a world right now whereby science is considered much more effective than miracle. Like I was saying this morning, you, you, you say to somebody, be healed in Jesus' name. The minute they leave you, they say, ah, you better take some aspirin, though, or have some, uh, you know, Panadol. Be you know, because why? The, 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 the trust is more on science and technology. Miracles are questioned. The time that Jesus walked the face of the earth, the miracles were not questionable. But what did the enemy try to do then? The enemy tried to demean that miracle by saying it's the power of the devil. The Pharisee says, by what authority? Today, people are chasing miracles by not asking by what authority. They just see somebody wave their hands. 50 people are falling down. They're not saying by what authority. They're not saying by what authority. They're not testing every spirit. They're not asking the real questions that they need to be asking. They are just chasing after the miracle. And because they're just chasing after the miracle, they submit to the wrong authority. The highest authority is the authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you have Jesus, you have salvation. You have solution. You have restoration. You have redemption. Come and open your mouth and begin to thank the Lord for that. You have power. Over all power and dominion and authority. You are able to arise. You are able to shine. Even in your weakness, you are strong. When you have Jesus, you cannot be oppressed or depressed. In Jesus' name, you are able to move mountains. You are able to say to the mountain, move and it will move. Things that nobody can even begin to see you as able to do. You do it with ease. If you are a true believer, celebrating Jesus should be an everyday thing. You should sing. You should make music. You should be thankful. You should be joyful. Even when you are sad, you are full of joy. Even when you are feeling weak, you are strong. You will not chase after a world miracle because you believe you have the whole miracle that is necessary. The devil will not be able to deceive you because you will see that it's all falsehood. Because you are operating in the real power, the real authority and dominion. Open your mouth and begin to worship in truth and in power today. That the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, has chosen you to have authority and dominion. Because a lot of people, like I said, are not asking by what authority. They have given their soul to Satan. They are not interested 
where the child comes from. Whether it's from the sea, whether it's from the ocean. They just want a child. People are not interested where breakthroughs come from. They just want a breakthrough. And that breakthrough now leads to a breakdown. A lot of people, because of going from house to house, looking for whatever they are looking for, they add to their problem. They end up creating problems and issues for themselves. They end up submitting their spirit and their soul to Lucifer. They end up in more bondage instead of in liberation and in freedom. Come and somebody talk to God as a true believer. You see, the true believer, they gather as eagles to lift up the name and the glory of God. And when they come together, they know that the will of God is for them. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. No weapon fashioned against them prosper. Because the God that they serve, he's a true God. He says, I will do a new thing. I will even make a way where there seems to be no way. That is our God. Since my calling, yes, I've been through hell. But I could never begin to appreciate what Jesus went through for me. And because he has done it and finished it, my trials and my tribulations are for a testimony. The testimony of God's love. Testimony of God's power. Testimony of God's goodness and God's grace upon my life. And so long as I live, I will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I will not be oppressed or pressurized to shift from the way of righteousness. Because I have revelation knowledge in my spirit. And I know for certain that Jesus is Lord. That greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I know that Jesus has conquered the world. And because he has conquered the world, I will triumph in my trials. And I will arise and I will shine. And I will give him the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. We hope you have enjoyed this week's episode of Inspiration Time with Pastor Olabisi, brought to you by Freedom House International Ministries. We hope you will stay connected with us at www.fhim.org.uk. If you are blessed by this message and would like to partner with us or would like information about how to obtain audio, please call us on 07503. 207-772. For counselling appointments and prayer support, please call or text us on 07503-207-772. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you will join us next week for another thought-provoking episode of Inspiration Time with Pastor Olabisi. Thank you. Introducing Inspiration Time Podcast with your host, Pastor Olabisi, author, publisher, passionate lover of the Word of God and senior pastor of Freedom House International Ministries, London, UK. Our main goal for Inspiration Time Podcast is to help believers across the globe cultivate and maintain a daily meaningful relationship with God through thought-provoking sermons, Holy Spirit-led Christian prayers, life-changing testimonies, soul-uplifting Christian prose and poems, inspiring interviews, and godly-glorifying psalmist praise and worship songs. If you are after a unique kind of kingdom-centered daily inspiration that can help you grow and mature in your relationship with God, 
Inspiration Time podcast is certainly the right one for you. We are here to encourage, inspire, enlighten, empower, and equip you to be all that God has created you to be in this journey called life. Why not subscribe today to Inspiration Time podcast on iTunes? That way, you won't miss any of our inspirational episodes. We will also be grateful if you can help us spread the word about Inspiration Time podcast to others out there. Visit our website today at www.encouragedbygod.com to pick up your subscriber free gift. Stay tuned in to Inspiration Time podcast and happy listening.